Welcome to the Lead Me On podcast, where we give you practical solutions for extraordinary leadership. My name is Lori King-Taylor, and I'm here with my co-host, Lori Gorell. For more than 25 years, we've been educating and coaching individuals who want to transform the way they lead. Join us each week as we provide inspiring conversations to help you increase your capability to lead with greater impact and influence. Get ready. It's time to lead me on. Hello, Lori King-Taylor. Hello, Lori Garrell. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. How about you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. So let's keep the emotional intelligence conversation going. Okay, that sounds great. Emotional intelligence is that ability to understand, use, and manage your emotions in positive ways to relieve stress, to communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges and diffuse conflicts. And it really helps us build stronger relationships, succeed and achieve our personal and our professional goals. So how we do emotional intelligence is most critical in times of change, conflict and stress. Whoever has those critical times of change, conflict and stress? I don't know, but I know that mine keep being added to daily. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. And I know emotional intelligence, to me at least, is more critical now than it ever has been. I'm practicing it always. So in our past episodes, we've covered self-awareness and self-management, where self-awareness is the gateway to self-management. We have to first know and take the time to recognize how we respond to the world around us. Then we start that process of rewiring for emotionally intelligent responses, especially in these times of change, conflict, and stress. One specific area that we can pull out and shine a light on, and it's even in that emotional intelligence definition, is empathy or empathizing with others. So in a definition, empathy is the ability to enter into another person's experience and connect with them in such a way that you actually experience at least to some degree what the other person is experiencing. To me, empathy pulled apart and looked at separately is a difference maker. So I often refer to Marshall Goldsmith's book because I love the title alone. What got you here won't get you there. And this speaks to that people, we rise within our careers and our jobs, mostly because of our technical expertise. Mm -hmm. We've spent time honing our skills, getting better at what we do. And that got us here. But to get to that next level of development is really looking at our emotional intelligence. And the area that I have found makes such a critical difference, and yet it is the most vague principle, is empathy. I agree. For some reason, I see in a lot of the people that I work with is that They view empathy as more of a weakness, as a soft skill, and they believe they have to be tough and hard, and they don't understand what empathy can actually do for them as a leader. I find that a lot of times, and I'm always glad when they ask, but they ask, what is empathy, right? So when we are 
using the assessments that gauges someone's initial level of empathy or that behavior naturally, they're like, what is that even? And so I'm glad that you shared the definition. You've put it out there. Then you have to connect with it, right? Because it does seem too soft and squishy. Right. And that's why I say it's vague. It's not concrete for people like other elements that we can look at. Self-assessment, right? That's more concrete, whereas empathy is less so. So how can we make empathy more understandable for our leaders? I think one of the key pieces to look at is if we're supposed to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, if we're supposed to see their experience from their vantage point, we have to first be able to see ours. We have to be able to identify our own emotions. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, we're not going to have the words to attach to somebody else's. Exactly. And a lot of times our leaders or people in general don't even know what words to use. They don't even know how to explain the emotions that they're having. Exactly. And I've had a a couple of leaders say, well, I grew up in a very stoic household. We didn't talk about feelings we were very action oriented and we, we didn't have those emotional conversations. So a lot of times it just, it hasn't even been nurtured into us. Mm -hmm. So finding those words and I have a sheet of, it's a, it's a PDF document called the feeling vocabulary that I now keep on my website. I pass it out freely just to help people get words for their emotions. What are they feeling that goes beyond good, bad, mad, sad to dig down a little bit? So when you use this feeling vocabulary with your leaders, how do you kind of incorporate that into your coaching? How can our audience use that document that they can get off of your website to help them with their empathy? Well, I have a couple of methods. The one that I've used very recently with a CEO is because he takes meeting notes. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do this in the moment to like look at a sheet of words to identify. I ask him immediately after the meeting to reviews in the notes what happened and he labels how he was feeling during the meeting. One of the words is exasperated. And sometimes leaders get exasperated rather than saying they were mad or angry. And I love the word exasperated. (laughs) And during homeschooling, I have felt completely exasperated. (laughs) And one of the other words is curious. If only the kids were more curious about their learning. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Right. So it's having just that physical moment of identifying what was I feeling and then looking at who else was in the meeting and reflecting on, okay, if I were to like step back and pay attention to what they were feeling using my handy sheet of words, what would I label their feelings to be? And so that's just a really baseline How do we expand our vocabulary to get in touch with expressing, identifying emotions and feelings? And I think that's a great idea. And you were talking about taking notes during your meeting. I'm a huge advocate of journaling. And so that's another good time to just at the end of the day or at lunchtime or during a break throughout the day, if you've had an interaction with someone, is to just be able to sit down and journal through that interaction. 
And again, you may not have time to come up with all of those words at the time, but just jot it down. What happened during that conversation? And then being able to go back and look at using that feeling vocabulary. Okay, I couldn't quite explain what I was feeling like in the moment, but now that I'm looking at these words, this one seems to fit. And maybe even have a, okay, let me see if I can tag three words off this list to fit that particular emotion. Yeah. And even making that part of if you have a journaling practice, because I know you promote that with your clients, is to say in the upper right hand corner, make a list of the different emotions that you've identified you had throughout the day. The practice will help it become more automatic. Exactly. How does this help them with their empathy? So if they've identified, now they're developing that feeling vocabulary, I have more words than happy, mad, sad, or glad, but what does that do for me to help me increase my empathy? When you're observing somebody else and trying to identify how they were feeling, and if you step into that mindset and say, okay, if they were having that experience, how did they likely hear me? How much did my message have come across to them? if I'm getting that reaction from them. So that you can identify how they were feeling, what they were experiencing, and it leads to having more compassion and being able to have a richer conversation with people because they will feel seen and heard when you can interact with them from a place of empathy. So even in a follow-up conversation with them, being able to say in our last conversation, What I saw, and and I'm a big advocate of, of always bringing it back on yourself when you're having a conversation instead of you were feeling is what I recognized or what I saw was that you were exasperated during the conversation or you were curious or whatever words that you chose to use, use those words back to them so that you can start that dialogue with them yes, that is exactly what I was feeling, or no, I I really wasn't. I was feeling curious and not exasperated, or I, you know, just being able to have those conversations with someone, and they do start feeling like you're at least paying attention to them. Yes, they will feel more seen and heard, and it opens up that dialogue. And another piece of why is it important to have empathy, it's staying open and respectful of the concerns of other people rather than if if you're not necessarily paying attention to how other people are feeling or what they're experiencing you're likely to bulldoze right through and i'm sure mm-hmm. you've experienced people who just it, and sometimes they're misunderstood and it feels like they're just pushing their agenda and it might not be that at all they just haven't practiced the empathy muscle to step back and consider when they are presenting their agenda, how is it coming across rather than the bulldozer approach? Right. 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 And, and when we can step back and put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, then it really does open up the opportunity to have more conversations instead of just bulldozing through and in opening up that dialogue, it's opening those relationships. And it's creating that safer space to speak up. Exactly. And I think that's so important for people today is to feel heard and to be able to speak up without fear of retribution that 
I at least need to express how I'm feeling with this decision. I need to express how I'm feeling with what's going on and know that you're going to be open to listening. You don't have to agree with me and hearing from me. Right. And you just said something completely out of the world important, and that is listening. For a leader to intentionally listen because they want to know what the other person is experiencing. And that's to, how you can tap into the empathy. Yes. Listening is the key. And I tell my clients all the time, there's a very big difference between hearing and listening. Listening is really diving in, getting more meaning out of what it is they are trying to say to you. Right. There's a practice that is called active listening. And it's making sure that you have heard what they say enough that you can reframe it back to them. And as you mentioned before, this is what I heard you say. It seems that you were, right? You are able to fill in those kind of blanks if you've had the assignment given to you to actively listen, be present, so that you can reframe something or repeat something back to the other person. That is such a difficult process for a lot of individuals and especially for our leaders because we tend to be problem solvers. So as soon as we hear somebody mention something, we turn off the listening and we turn on our brains and we start thinking about what we're going to say to that person as soon as they're done talking. Or we even interrupt them in the process because we know how to fix their problem. And sometimes they don't want you to fix the problem anyway. They just need somebody to listen to them. And we joke about this a lot in my household. I will even say to my husband, this is one of those times I just need you to listen. I don't need you to speak because he's a fix-it man. I just need to talk it out. So I need you to just listen to us. And we don't know that from the person that we're speaking to if we haven't stopped and listened and kept our mouths closed, put our brain in stall for a moment and get off of the trying to fix it and get back into the, okay, what are they actually saying? Right. And one of the pieces about the active listening, if you're not exactly clear what is needed of you asking the question, given all that you've shared, how is it that I can help you? Or what is it that you might need from me? Exactly. And this is a good time to do some coaching with them too, is helping them come to their own conclusions. So some of those questions afterwards could be, and what would your next step be? And how would you resolve this issue? So you're kind of putting it back to their thinking process and you're not solving their problems for them. Right. And exactly. And, and this all still relates back to empathy because you're creating that safe space. Mm -hmm. It feels okay to come to you and share this, whatever it is I need to express, because you're not going to think I'm broken and need to go fix all my problems for me. And what a skill set for a leader to be able to have their team members feel that they can be trusted, that I can go to them with issues. I can 
talk to them about things and they truly will listen to me. They're not always there trying to solve those problems. They offer that safe space. But then you as a leader gain a lot of insight into your people. You start figuring out what's making them tick and how they operate. So it really, and it works both ways. Right. And it helps you understand that other person's motivation. As a leader, you need to be listening for these things so that you're bringing your team together to move forward. And again, you're going to come across as more approachable. Right. Right. So the two things so far are expanding the vocabulary for yourself and being able to see it in others, but then actively listening to get take it to the next step. And to go back to something you said earlier, demonstrating empathy is not going soft. It's not a squishy thing just because it doesn't have a box that it fits in. Mm -hmm. So why do you think there's often this resistance to building empathy into their leadership style? I think the main point, it, reason that there is resistance is quite honestly, that it hasn't been on their radar. Yeah. They have spent so much time, these leaders developing their technical expertise and technical meaning any job specific, career specific goals, that it hasn't even been on their radar. So it's hard to develop something that you haven't even thought about before. So I think that's the first place, right? There's resistance to it. And I think the second part is because we're using the word feelings, we're saying emotions, I don't want to go there. It's awfully uncomfortable. What if somebody cries? What if they get <laughs> mad? I don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the fear of that unknown mm -hmm. reaction of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that in general, we do care about one another. We just don't know how to express that caring. Right. I think sometimes people that haven't practiced their empathy muscle might first of all seem unapproachable or seem cold or uncaring and quite honestly that's usually not it they just haven't looked at that yeah i agree so some leaders are gonna say you know i've made it this far why do i need to bother doing this now exactly i've already made it into a leadership position right yeah but seeing others point of view is so critical and allowing people to think and feel differently than you do and to be safe and to be okay. Exactly. And it's really seeing that developing this skill can produce some really great results. If you can start recognizing what others are feeling and asking them to engage and sharing their perspective without just pushing through, you're going to have more creative solutions come forth. This can positively impact the bottom line. Is that reason enough? Exactly. You'll have a stronger team, people who will stay with you longer, so it will help with your retention. And you're going to produce some great results. And you'll have a more productive team. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So developing emotional intelligence and empathy in this case has long been identified as a difference maker for leaders. And now, as so many traditional workers are shifting to virtual work, honing the skill has taken on a whole new life. I couldn't agree more. So let's round this out with our practical solutions for extraordinary leadership. 
active listening, really paying attention and being present. Second is increasing your feeling vocabulary so you can identify your own emotions and those with other people. And finally, just exactly what you said, seeing other people's point of view, making it okay for them to have a different opinion than yours. Yeah. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about the power of sleep and how it affects your brain. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. I'm looking forward to talking about it. All right. Well, I'll see you then. See you then, Lori. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would so appreciate a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. If you're interested in knowing more about our upcoming events or working with one of us personally to transform the way you lead, visit our websites. For Lori King-Taylor, visit trinityperformancesolutions.com. And for Lori Gorell, visit upwardsolutionscc.com. Until next week.